Well, welcome back to Talking Backwards. It's a Twin Peaks podcast, and I know the audience doesn't know this, but we've had a time getting going here today. A time. That's the nicest way to put it. I've got a brand new setup at my house. I'm still trying to figure out how to run all the audio, so I apologize to the guys for jamming us up there for about 45 minutes. He bought a 42-channel board for his one microphone. I'm a man of opulence, and I won't apologize. Okay, we've got all the quarantine in the world. Okay, you're out. Yeah, that's I'm good on that one. And with that, welcome back for our episode on Double Play. I'm Dave Jackson. I've seen the series one time, and I'm joined by Patrick Mahan, who's seen the series a bunch. Hey, everybody. And Tyler Mullins, who is seeing the series as we watch it on the show. I've seen it no times. None times, except for now. Except for now. I've seen it now times. And here we are. And here we are. So I was on the phone yesterday with um, this guy. You may know him, Dave. His name is Patrick. Okay. Um, hey, everybody. And he said that this episode took kind of a dip. I was wrong. And you were wrong. I hadn't watched. Was, I hadn't rewatched it yet. He was very wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I kind yeah, of I was, thought. Well, my mindset was there was a lot that happened in the last episode that wrapped up plots that I sort of naturally just thought that this was a going to be a dip, but because I couldn't remember what happened. Turns out a lot. Yeah, so I apologize to you, Tyler, but I but that maybe that made it better for you. It did. Excellent. The one the one saving grace was the <laughs> fact that I didn't see the credits at the beginning. Yeah, I have a big gripe with that, and we're gonna get to that in a moment. Only after that I tell you a couple of stats real quick. This is episode twenty one, season two, episode fourteen, twenty second overall. Uh it's called double play. Uh the word double is in the title. It's right there. Thank you, Tyler. You're welcome. Um, and this was directed by Uli Adele, the only uh, episode that Uli Adele ever directed of this show. Makes um, me think of Oolong Tea. Yeah, and this was written by our our old friend, um, brother of Mark Frost, uh, Scofro, Scott yeah. Frost. He is back in action. The return, yes, of Scott Frost. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, exciting, exciting episode. But yeah, let's talk about those credits quick, because they're, they're, they're frustrating me. So Tyler, you didn't notice this, because you skipped the opening credits in your watch. Well, I, I wasn't like invested in the episode yet. You weren't so actively I, watching I, the Yeah, credits. I was still kind of like on got my it, phone while it was going. So there's, there's two things, and I remember watching it, and just I was actually kind of frustrated. I feel like, I don't know if this is just an oversight, or if they just... I don't, I don't even know the reasoning, to be honest, of why you'd want to spoil a character's appearance in the show. Um, but they did it, and not only did they do it once, they did it twice. They did it once um, with Kenneth Welsh as Wyndham Earl. I was like, wow, that's kind of a big thing to spoil, that he's finally you showing up. You can call up me Wyndham. <laughs> in this Wyndham episode. And then um, the other one was David Warner as Thomas Eckert, which is another name that we've had dropped you know, many times so yes. I, that that was weird to me, a little frustrating. I, I mean, but luckily for you, you didn't pay attention to it, and you didn't know they were going to show up. <laughs> yeah, and I never would have seen it if Dave's audio was working. <laughs> yeah, you just went back and was rewatching it <laughs> and noticed it. Um, so yeah, that's my beef uh, with the opening credits of this episode. I have the same beef, and I'll actually equate it to an experience I had as a child. 
where I was heavily invested in another uh, very concurrent dramatic series called Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yes. I'm familiar. Yes, I've heard of this. And we get to this saga where there's, you know, we've had a ranger dropout and Mm. there's legend of a new ranger coming in. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be the white ranger. ranger. We know that, but we don't know who this is. We don't know this man. We don't know where he's coming from. Oh, we do. And I rented a tape from the video store. Oh, man. That was a Power Rangers episode compilation. Did you get it at Blockbuster? No, it it was uh, called Video Park. Oh, where was that? Uh, So Video Park, just for anybody who (laughs) might be around the area, (laughs) it used to be on Hickson Pike where the music store was also. Oh, yeah. That's also gone. Yeah, Yeah, it was right there in that little strip. Okay, cool. Next to Big Lots. I rented a Power Rangers episodes tape from that video park and took it home and watched it. And there were four or five ads for Power Rangers related things. And one of them was for... Uh, ah, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, ah, who's the guy that plays Tommy? Oh, I, I never knew his name. He's Jason a, Frank. Jason he's Frank. A, Jason David Frank. Is it Jason David Frank? So it JDF. was. It was an ad for his, like a uh, martial arts instructional videos. Yeah. It's like you know him as the Green Ranger. You also know him as the White Ranger. And I, I went, what? He's not. <laughs> We don't know that yet. In the words of Leland, I know him. So it got blown for me and I hated it because that episode had not aired and it upset me. So yeah, showing the names of the two big bad reveals in the credits, it was a a poor choice. You are right. Yeah, that was dumb. But anyway, we pick up right where we left off. Yeah, we're in the the same room at the station at the crime scene where Wyndham Earl's victim is sitting at a chessboard. We're still kind of unwrapping him. Yeah, again, Craig McLaughlin as the dead man. Oh, yeah. I did notice this time how much he does look like Cal McLaughlin. I noticed how still he can be. Yeah, it was very impressive. Yeah, fantastic corpse performance. I mean, he's second only to Eric Daré. Who, whew. <laughs> he, he worked on Twin Peaks as a production assistant. That is right. Um, So he... Did several episodes, and I also read that he worked on Fire Walk With Me, the movie. Yeah. Um, More nepotism in 20 <laughs> Right. <laughs> There's been plenty of that. You know, who knows? I'd love to know more of that story of how did he get picked to do this? You know, was he just there? Was he, <laughs> was he just kind of helping out work on this episode? Or, you know, did he just happen to be around and be like, we need a dead guy? Well, if <laughs> Kyle, you look what's your earlier... Earlier in the episode, you can actually see him in the reflection of a mirror. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of kind of like a Bob. Yeah, just like that, actually. I mean, you yeah, know. if you go by the track record, it would not be surprising if he was just around. <laughs> was just, yeah. uh, you, dead guy, go. And I, I, wish, I wish they had made mention of it because it seems like a more calculated thing for Mr. Earl. The fact that he looks similar to coop yes yeah if, if they had brought it up it would have been yeah if they had addressed that effective. that would have been like really spooky yeah it would have been nice for harry or hawk to just be like kind of looks like somebody doesn't he <laughs> kind of looks like somebody doesn't he just off yeah, kind of right? looks like you coop it would have been a nice yeah touch like huh another double as they're kind of pouring over this corpse they do find a pawn a chess piece in his mouth 
Yes. Uh, right there in it. And it's weird. I don't like it. It's troubling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Coop uh, has them check for a stab wound below the sternum that would have punctured his aorta. Yeah. And it there. I love that Coop knew. Like, I love mm-hmm. that he just knew everything down to a T of what it was going to be before Doc Hayward even got a look at it. Yeah. He knows his M.O. Exactly. Uh, Hawk comes in with his findings. There are two sets of footprints, same boots, one deeper than the other, as though he were carrying a body. One coming, one set coming, one set going. Uh, Coop knows for sure. I, I don't know if it's this scene that he breaks it down this way, but he knows for sure that Wyndham Earl set the explosion and the fire to get everybody out. Yeah. And then came in through the window and left without a trace. He's like, you're not going to find any fingerprints here, boys. He doesn't make mistakes. So did he do a citywide blackout? <laughs> or I, I don't does know if Leo it was... live next to the police I, station? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, I was confused I, about that too. I mean, I guess I would, I would put it to Leo's... Um, well, was the power out at the Great Northern? Because like, were there candles and stuff when they show Bobby and Audrey there? Yeah. There so are. Maybe... I, 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 see, I, I didn't even equate that to the power yeah. being out. I thought they were just having this weird... Yeah, yeah. I thought she was about to propose altar to room sort so, of yeah. shrine. So then, yeah, let's say, let's say the whole town. I think that's a good catch. He would have had to hit like the one breaker that controls all the Twin <laughs> yes. Peaks. There's just one breaker, Dave. It's no, a large, small is. town. It's in, the center, it's in the center of town. Andy set it up. I think <laughs> it'll be fine as long as nobody blows it up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, fantastic! But they weren't expecting Windermere. So that takes us to. Audrey and almost called him Billy. <laughs> Bobby. Billy Briggs. <laughs> Everybody knows Billy. <laughs> Audrey and Bobby. And I didn't get much from this conversation, really. There's not that. much to this except for a very effective segue at the end of it. Love but, the segue. Yeah. So, I, again, I equated it to them just being in this sort of shrine set up. I didn't even occur to me that they were in a blackout just with how weird Ben is being right now. I thought maybe he had set up a room that way just to be that way. Cause yeah. he's, he's not candlelit when he's doing the war thing shortly after. No, I think everything's fixed by then. Yeah, I, I guess so. But they're pretty much just saying that they are going to have to work together to keep Ben, uh, to keep Ben profitable. And they had got to treat him like ice, like keep him chilled so he doesn't melt all the way all of a sudden. It was a great metaphor. Even had a visual aspect. Was it a great metaphor? (laughs) I I liked the fact that she melted a piece of ice in her hands. It was like magic. She does have the line, you suck up to me now. Like if you suck up to anybody, you suck up to me. Yeah, that's right. And if you notice, towards the end of this scene, um, Billy... (laughs) is <laughs> playing with this like ceramic owl that's sitting right in front of him. Yep, sure is. So mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, Audrey's kind of says, yeah. uh, well, well, she does say the thing again that kind of echoes uh, before when, uh, who was it? Hank to Josie. And uh, then after that, Jonathan to Hank. Uh, mentions how being in business with somebody is extremely intimate and as close as you can be with somebody outside of marriage, pretty much. Yeah. 
So this is this really heavy influence on the business relationship again. But uh, she basically says, you know, you're you're going to be answering to me at this point, and if you're going to try to get on anybody's good side, it's going to be me. To which Bobby replies, well, what about Shelly? And Audrey says, well, what about Shelly? And then it's just a great transition to... Shelly! <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Subtle. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that while all this is happening, she's being tormented by Leo in their house. Yeah. Um, so he's like full ninja at this point. Yeah, he's spooky. Yes, spooky he is. Leo. Into the shadows. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was really impressive. Strange. I don't know how he was able to move so swiftly given his condition. Um, it's because he is now a spirit. That and he's sat for so long. <laughs> yeah, it's it not... seems like there'd be a little bit of atrophy. Maybe he's not ready to be so nimble. <laughs> if but... anything, it looks like he's put on like weight or the actor himself had like built up muscle because he looks a little thicker than he used to be. <laughs> yeah, he's a thick yeah. boy. And he needs to be for this scene to be intimidating as he needs to be. But now yeah. he's he's gone full clown ninja and he's just kind of always in the background of the dark shots. And yeah. Shelly needs direction. She's running to one door, trying to get to the other one, and get, almost gets death by wheelchair. Yep. Just can't evade this unseen attacker. And then there's another owl. Mm-hmm. Feel like Leo has been taken over. Oh, you think he's, uh, he's owl-possessed? I think so. Um, I just love that he still had or knew where he kept his um, soap uh, in a sock. Mm-hmm. Bar like, oh, soap. we're doing this again, Leo. Great. <laughs> Bad girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're, get, we're getting back to the old Leo of just... Um, that practices with his axe. And... Yeah, the old, yeah, the old delivery, the old yells and screams that he used to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yes, I remember this character. I don't <laughs> like him. <laughs> this is a really, opportune, a really opportune time for Bobby to come back in. It is. Make a really it half-assed is. attempt at actually stopping Leo. <laughs> Saves Shelly's bacon because she's about to get chopped. Uh, Bobby himself gets a little tossed around. Yep. Uh, there's a, a knife that Shelly had that she dropped, and then she gets it again. Sticks Leo Took with it. a while it. to get it. And just like every time that Leo gets wounded, he just runs off after this. Yeah, he just leaves. He just went through um, the um, sheet and just left. <laughs> yeah, just bolts. Into the into the dark, into the shadows. Gone into forever, never to be seen again. Unknown. I don't know about your guys' experience with this scene, but all, all that is the description of what happens. I couldn't see any of this. You're one of those Game of Thrones people. I could see. I mean, what, what could you not see? Uh, most of it. So I saw. Yeah, I could see what looked like it could have been either broken glass or a knife in Shelly's hand. I saw the wheelchair was very defined. Uh, but for the most part, I, I couldn't make out a whole lot. Granted, I did watch this twice on, on my tube, phone. On a 10 inch tube TV. <laughs> I mean, it was dark, but I could certainly make out what was happening. Um, I just, all I noted really was that it took her forever to 
find that knife. Oh my gosh, yeah. It Get took her forever one. to do anything in this scene. And yeah. then she stabbed yeah. him. This is a long in, scene. In the yeah. thigh, but the blade only went like a centimeter into his leg. Uh, hmm. To be fair, if a centimeter of a knife goes into my leg, I am done. I'm yeah. I'm gonna run. It's like okay, <laughs> you got me, and just yell, <laughs> just ah! That's not how Leo works. Though. I'm gonna find the nearest torn plastic, run right through it, and head into the woods. I did notice um, he looked different from the end of the episode mm-hmm. prior. Yeah, he wasn't all clowned um, up. He wasn't clowned up. And didn't have the party hat. <laughs> well, we don't know um, how long he's been stalking in the shadows. He may have had time to clean up and watch Shelly run around. And... Right. Let's move on. Guys, good news. Coop is cleared. They're going to drop Ooh. all the criminal charges. Yeah. Suspension still stands, though. Still suspended, though. Yeah. It's okay. He's still deputy. He is still deputy. And he's still on the case for Wyndham Merle, thanks to Sheriff Harry S. Truman. There was this moment, for some reason, Hawk comes in and says, Harry, and I thought for some reason he's going to say, I want this game. (laughs) (laughs) They were going to fight over it. I 100% thought he was going to come in and say, Harry, I want this case. (laughs) I would have been Tyler was still hooked on Hawk being being the uh, turncoat, and he was going to steal a case under him to not do anything about it. Yeah. And be aligned with Wyndham Earl. Yeah. I am so, like, every time Hawk was on screen in this episode, I have been so suspect of him for some reason. But no joke. so funny. (laughs) Because of one shot. Yeah, when when Hawk busts in, he lets them know that uh, Hank Jennings has been hospitalized. Uh, cuffed to his bed for violating parole, but he claims he was hit by a bus. He doesn't want to. Yeah, he doesn't want to admit that he was beat up by, by Nadine. He was hit he by said, a red pine. A, <laughs> yeah, said he was. Uh, a tree fell on him. Yep. Yeah, that's one story. Uh, they do also learn that Leo Johnson has regained consciousness and attacked Shelley. Holy smokes! Whereabouts unknown. <laughs> Yeah, holy smokes. I wish we had a holy smokes count like on this <laughs> show. Like how many times I've said that line. A lot. Uh we do get a little bit of Andy and Lucy again in the same scene. I got beef. You got beef? Let's, got hear, beef. let's hear it. Oh, t- oh yeah. What's your beef? My beef. We need is... a beef we need a beef sound effect. <laughs> I got beef. Yeah. I yeah, I need a little animated clip of that that's something like I got beef. That we throw in here. So, so Patrick, you work on that. All right. Um, Next week. So he's pulling off his glove, and it snaps off, and you can see it like fall off into the floor, and then all of a sudden it's just stuck to this window. Like you can see it not yeah, travel that's like, at all. That's that's mentioned on the IMDb as a con- <laughs> as like a, an error or a goof. I think it's labeled as a goof. It is the only thing I rewatched. On this episode, just to make sure. So what I learned about Andy from this scene is you can't give him anything with any kind of friction in his hands. Right. Tape, no good. Gloves, forget about it. Maybe it's a magnetic glove and there's just some sort of magnet on the window. Do you ever think before you speak? (laughs) No. Can you ever just (laughs) shut your idiot mouth? I cannot. I was born this way. Lady Gaga. Perfect. Yeah, uh, Andy comes to Lucy in confidence to talk about 
how he thinks little Nicky might be a. He might be a. He may have killed his parents. Yeah. Yeah. He says it like that. Like he doesn't say he might be a murderer. He says he might be a stops for people to pass. Yeah. Might be a stops at waits. He might have killed his parents. Big who cares over here, Andy. Yeah. Big who cares from Lucy too. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I've met him. He didn't do it. And if you think he did, then you couldn't be a father to a chimp. <laughs> I disagree. I think Andy would be a great chimp dad. Sure. I want the Andy and Chimp Buddy Cop side series. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. I want that spin I would take off. it as a little like animated web series. Hold on. I'm starting the GoFundMe right now. Great. I'd watch it. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to start that. Then we head to the Marshland. Marshmallow Land? <laughs> Marshmallow Land. Yeah. The Marshlands. Yeah. So we finally get to meet um, Jeffrey Marsh. What do, I, what do I know this guy from? You know this guy? Yeah. I didn't recognize him. Oh, really? No. Well, you also recognized Harriet Hayward, and she wasn't in anything. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, we deep guy, dived on that. This guy is old <laughs> enough did. to have had a career for me to know him from stuff. So he's actually had quite a career. Um, he's still acting to this day. Um, he did have a role in the X-Files. You might know him from that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From one episode, maybe. Nash yeah. Bridges, maybe. The Ooh. Don Johnson TV yeah. series. Yeah. Uh, I ain't that easy to kill, Bubba. He was Otis in the Drew Carey show. Yep. He was That's Mr. It. Beaumont on Friends. That's it. It's both of those. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I want the Mr. Beaumont. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the wind blowing also... through your arms. <laughs> <laughs> he was also Dr. Melvin Latz on an episode of Freaks and Geeks. Hmm. Oh, yeah. When are we doing that podcast? Uh, also important to note, <laughs> he was also in an episode of Hill Street Blues, which, which Mark Frost was a writer on. Uh, Mark Frost had a big hand in Hill Street Blues. So that's probably why he was brought on to the show. Also, yeah, he dies immediately. Yeah. And nobody Does notices. he, though? I don't know that he does. I, I mean, I think he that does. happens, yes. By the end of the episode, the, he's dead. But the cop, yes, of course, but that's all at night. So I feel like... But I think that's just... But he crashes immediately after leaving. Right, I know, which I don't think, I, like I said, I don't think that's the case. I feel like it's just they didn't have anywhere else to put that in the episode. <laughs> they didn't want to just have another scene as much as I would have liked to have seen some ridiculous well, car crash. So, yeah, well, here's um, why that doesn't work for me is because he meets James. They have a small interaction and it's like, you know, sounds like we have the same love. Cars. <laughs> yeah. Right, this, as, as Evelyn like looks at, at Yeah, it's like, James. this guy is now in the picture, and we finally meet him. It's like, this is a potential rub, some friction here. And that could have made that, could have given that plot a little bit of beef. As James and Evelyn are in the same shot, he gets in the car and takes off, and you hear it screech and crash, and nobody acknowledges it. Right, that's why I feel like, that's why I think it doesn't happen right there. Like, I think it... Why would you no, just play the sound? It's like he he just went down the street. It's like cool. nobody. It's, I think it's a Scofro thing, um, <laughs> because there's a scene coming up later in the Marshland that I have some beef with. Okay. Due to some background noises. Yeah, I also have more marsh beef, so we'll yeah. we'll we'll plate that for now. We'll come back. But yes, yeah, so the, the main thing we gathered from this scene, other than him dying either in the future or the past. Um, well, let's, was let's that put up a they, uh, 
was that Jeffrey and James have a mutual love, and that's Evelyn Marsh. I've got more beef, and so it's appropriate that we're at the Double R Diner. So Big Ed is talking to Dr. Hayward, not Dr. Jacoby, first of all, for this interaction. Uh, he mm-hmm. is concerned oh, that Nadine is uh, playing with the idea of dating young boys. Hayward's concern is whether or not she's sexually active. The concern should be, how do we stop this very adult woman from having <laughs> sex with minors? But she only has one eye. What, 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 is, what does that change? I don't know. But, the, but the, that's the concern, <laughs> is whether or not she's actively having sex. So apparently Big Ed's getting it every night, waking up like he's been hit by a timber truck. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if Big Ed's... Get, he's getting wrecked. Yeah, if Big Ed's getting it regular and it's this intense, and his concern is for the safety of other young boys, I feel like the priorities are askew. That's just me. Maybe maybe she has that Benjamin Buttons disease. <laughs> so I, I, I know I made a face that listeners can't see, <laughs> but I disagree. If you could hear that face, you would understand. <laughs> So anyway, Dr. Hayward's placeholder solution is to set a curfew. Mm -hmm. Just make sure she gets home at 9 p.m. Because it is impossible to have sex before 9. Everybody knows that. We've all seen gremlins. Yes. This is with the assumption that Nadine accepts Big Ed as her guardian to take orders from or take discipline from. I've still got more beef. We... I think I think Twin Peaks is losing it. They're losing their mind. <laughs> there are definitely parts of the series right now that are losing steam for me. This being my favorite side story, the Nadine stuff, this interaction right here got me a little bent up. I'm sorry, dude. But Norma does come yeah. back with some potatoes, and uh, they kind of shift gears to talk about the fact that Donna, Donna took the van... And uh, it's try to see if Big Ed knows anything about why she might be looking for James. Donna! He, yeah, he says she's going to take him some money. Twelve bucks. Twelve smackers. Twelve bucks. He is, we find out, only a couple hours away. It's going to cost that much in gas. Wherever, yeah, wherever out west a couple of hours. So I think that's two hours. Two hours. So you nailed it, Tyler. Yeah, I'm smart. You're going to win that blue ribbon. Oh, yeah, I am. And again, I feel like priorities are a little skewed here because Big Ed, upon learning that Hank is cuffed to his bed in hospital, the hospital, and will probably... <laughs> Hank is in he's hospital. In, he's in concert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, been, he's been hit by uh, a bus a and tree. a tree. And might, have to go hosp- might have to go dentist after hospital. When he gets out of the hospital, will be on parole violation and probably go back to jail which means that Norma and Ed would be free to be together. Ed, instead of trying to figure out what to do about Nadine, just says, well, let's get a cabin and some celebratory wine, some venison steaks, just go to town. <laughs> Boy, he loves that idea. He's and I feel like ready. this is a, I feel like this is something he's played out for many, many years Since in his high head, school. which is why he could say all of that uh, so precisely. Oh yeah, this has been in his back pocket for a while. For sure. This was always the plan. 
Big Ed's got plans. <laughs> this is where uh, they have the line where Norma says that Hank says he was, uh, or he got, had a tree fall on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Big Ed says, he was hit by a red pine named Nadine. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got, he's full of good lines on, in that scene. Oh, man. Um, despite the context with, with Doc Hayward prior, this is full of really good Big Ed lines. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's just lousy with them. And he delivers them all so well. Mm-hmm. Back to the marshland. I guess there's a game on. The big game, I assume. <laughs> yes, the big game. <laughs> and is it on the radio? Is it on a TV? Why does it have to be on? Because you never see anything indicating that there's something in the room <laughs> that true. plays sound. And I feel like it's so because we, do nev- we never see a TV in that room as far as I know. At least I never caught it. So I mean, a radio might be a little more. But it's accurate. so loud. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. It's really it is. It's very loud. And the the lack of narration makes me think that it is on TV. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's because it's not it's not really noise. second by second commentary that you would have to yeah. do for somebody who can't see it. So it's an invisible TV. Yes. I mean, everybody in Twin Peaks or two hours away from Twin Peaks knows the big game. It's all anybody's waited for all season. <laughs> it happens every year. <laughs> it happens every That's year. It's a big game. And today is <laughs> <Daniel>. that day. <laughs> Speaking oh, of, today, uh, <laughs> the day of this recording actually is the 30-year anniversary of Twin Peaks. It uh, is. Still sad about the Graceland thing, but that's okay. We'll get over that. Yeah, and we'll uh, chat a little bit more about that at the end of our episode. Cool. What else from this scene? James is packing to leave, and Evelyn's trying to stop him from leaving. Uh, a little more confusion about the the crash sound because when she was talking to him, she said, you did a really good job with Jeffrey today. And James says it didn't feel good. I thought she was referring to the job being the murder sabotage. And him saying, you didn't feel good. Like, murder didn't feel good? You're kidding. <laughs> and, yes, it did. But now that I don't know whether or not he <laughs> knew he was dead or going to die. Oh, yeah. He definitely didn't know anything. It, yeah, I just I I guess I was just too confused, and this is my like third time seeing this episode, and I still didn't get that <laughs> right there. <laughs> I I took it as he it didn't feel good just because he's he wanted to um slap the shit out of him. I was gonna <laughs> say punch, but that's not a very James <laughs> thing. <laughs> just an open hand. But yeah, I think that's what he meant by didn't feel good is that just interacting with him and knowing what he's done to Evelyn because um, for whatever reason, James cares about Evelyn. <laughs> Even though their love is wrong. It's so wrong. wrong. Why? He says he's leaving there and then she leaves. And then when this is jumping ahead and this is just for clarification, when she comes back later, she's like, what are you doing? Yeah, he's Are still leaving. leaving? <laughs> like, what? He was leaving understand. then, and then like, he was leaving again. Was he not? I don't understand. Like, like I thought we cleared this up, baby. I thought you were gonna stick around. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's not that's how weird. they left it. It takes it takes a lot of time to pack to all pack of the up those saddlebags that, that he leaves behind. <laughs> Tyler, don't you know how time works in Twin Peaks? I don't. Actually, in whatever town this is, Marshland. So to the police station again. Yeah, uh, we're gonna have Coop and Truman, and we mm-hmm. we get uh, the whole Wyndham Earl backstory again with uh, a couple of addendums. Mentions again how Wyndham Earl was his first partner. Uh, he was on a job, yeah. and a woman that they both loved was killed because Coop was 
uh, unable to act or he wasn't ready when danger appeared. Uh, he was knocked unconscious, and when he came to, uh, the woman he was supposed to be watching, who he loved, was dead in his arms. We find out now her name was Caroline. She was Wyndham Earl's wife. Oh. And Truman assumes, as we all would, that Wyndham Earl has a scrudge against him because he let his wife die on Cooper's watch. Cooper seems to think that Wyndham Earl was, in fact, the killer and is just bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S? Precisely that. And was so lost in his delusion that he was unable to separate fact from his schemes. And this is why we have this maniacal, twisted hunt on for Coop. I believe it's pronounced maniacal. Maniacal. My apologies. Yes. Apologies, gentlemen. Let's continue. Yeah, we, we just get a little, bit, a, a little bit more information about Coop's history with Wyndham Earl and why this is his big bad for the season, or this half of the season. Hey, he's brought some baggage to town. Yeah. <laughs> they played chess every day. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. For three years. No thanks. And no Wyndham Earl was undefeated. Yeah. Reigning champ, Wyndham Earl. So how, so how <laughs> is Coop supposed to win this? I want a shirt that says Wyndham Earl reigning chess champ. <laughs> Three years running. <laughs> Three years <Yeah>. running. <laughs> we get back to Hideout Wally's hideout. Hideout Wally's, yes. Yeah. And who's here? Oh, you know who's here. Donna! Who else is here? Evelyn. Oh, Donna comes in looking for James and first goes to the bar and asks about a biker named James she's looking for. Uh, Donna gets there and asks about, for a biker named James, is approached by Evelyn, and one says, are you looking for someone? Yes, she just asked for someone. Is she eating a dum-dum or an olive? I couldn't make it out. Again, I was watching on my phone. I think an olive. <laughs> Also, just, this is just her hangout spot. Yeah, it's the only place in town. It's got to be. this place and their giant mansion. Well, this is where she picked James up to begin with, so obviously she frequents here. Uh, part of me, during their interaction, thought that she was going to try to get Donna to come over to her house and fix a car, just because it was so similar to interaction with James. <laughs> no, she, one for one, asks if Donna's looking for somebody. Like, yes, obviously. Uh, she says, yeah, I'm looking for James. A guy named James. She says, James Hurley? Do you know him? No. Yes! Never heard of him. <laughs> she knew his last name. Yes, she knows him. Okay, Sean. She's not just a good guesser. It's just a wild guess. Yeah, well, that might have been just... I almost took that as Donna being but maybe caught off guard. She was. That she knew him. She was caught off guard. Because what, what are the chances? But the more appropriate <laughs> question is, how do you know him? Biblically, because she is weird. Uh, her acting, even for me, is odd in this scene. She's just—I think it's pretty on brand for Donna. I don't know. I mean, maybe I feel like she's just trying to be cool. Yeah, maybe she's trying to. Maybe she's trying to get a read I, on this strange lady that knows who she's looking for. Yeah, I think she's definitely trying to get a read. She's not sure about her, and I mean, why would you be? You just met her, but right. It uh, mentions that she had him do some work for her and that he said something about the ocean or Mexico and he's gone. He's gone. Just yeah. go home. And that brings us to the best scene. <laughs> really, Tyler? Yeah. 
I want this to be in some Instagram post. I just want this little, like, a gif <laughs> of him falling down over and over. <laughs> but that is ridiculous. I laughed out as soon loud. As, as soon as just you came on, I lost I, I was pumping my fist going, yes! Also, I just thought it was just going to be the instrumental, because they've done that mm-hmm. already once before, and I thought it was just going to be instrumental. But once he started singing, I, I lost it even more. I was like, oh, this is... So weird. as I've mentioned before, I do watch with the captions on. And when Just You plays, it is credited to woman. <laughs> I don't think it was on the on the Blu-ray, but that's really funny. It, you know, the way it has it when somebody's speaking off screen, it'll have a caption so that you know yeah. who's talking. This one, it had it as woman yeah. singing Just You. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, right after that, uh, we go to the Great Northern. And this this is kind of a heady scene for me. There's, there's a lot of just cuts and people talking. And I, I was trying to keep track of who was all in the room. And I kept forgetting Jacoby was there for some reason. I'm so glad Jacoby is there. I mean, I'm glad he's there. He should be there. Ben needs help. Not that Jacoby's a fantastic help. He's not going to do anything. But somebody <laughs> needs to be watching him. If anything, I think he's just seeing how this plays out. He's just encouraging him. Yeah, I mean, this is our West Side Story reunion. <laughs> yeah, it is. But uh, Jer is now Jeb. Yeah, man, Ben's just really out the deep end, but Jacoby says working it out this way is really healthy. That he's reenacting the Civil War with these figurines and dressing in the coats and giving everybody else names of prominent Civil War figures. And Jerry is astounded at the condition his brother's in. Yeah. Like, these, these, are, these are not the guys that kick off a dance to Mersey Dotes. I have zero investment in any of this horn business right now and i don't i don't i don't get it (laughs) (laughs) it is bizarre of all the things that he could be attached to (laughs) the civil war is not what i was losing side of the civil war That is more, that is fitting though. What I took away from the scene was a round, a rousing rendition of Dixie. Dixie, yeah, by Dr. Jacoby. Not on key, not even close, not in harmony. Yeah, Jacoby and Ben Horn for their musical background, not (laughs) giving a great performance of this classic song. Maybe that was the direction he was given. I'm sure. It's just a shame. This would have been a time to really showcase those talents. I have a question. Go ahead. What's wrong with Major Briggs? Major Briggs has, uh, how do I put this uh, bluntly? He has seen some shit. He has touched the veil. But in the next scene, he's like, fine, sipping his water. Yeah, because he got some, because he got some classic Twin Peaks water. That's the cure. I love that Briggs, Cooper, and Truman are all just chugging (laughs) 
their glasses. Well, they're all chugging water, but Briggs is the only one that needs it. <laughs> Why are they chugging water too? Okay, okay so I, I can relate to this because there used to be this camaraderie at a serving job I had where it was just etiquette. If somebody got a glass of water, everybody got a glass of water, and we all chugged it at the same time. Okay. It wasn't a competition. Okay. It was about hydration. We just made sure everybody yeah. was getting their water. Well, maybe that about maybe that also helped. Like if Briggs is see, sees Cooper Truman drinking, he's gonna be he's gonna be, be encouraged to yeah to get his have the thirst. Yeah, uh, like monkey see, monkey do. Exactly. It's, monkey pee all the It's yeah. about hydration, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I think there's more to it. There is more to it because there might be a conspiracy in the Air Force. Quite there right. might. I mean, Briggs seems to think so. He uh, says that their search for the White Lodge, which is where he believed he went during the Flash, the, was not the more entirely th- pure. The more I watch this show, the more certain I am that Major Garland Briggs is a flat earther. <laughs> They're still looking for evidence of that. <laughs> They're just making sure they don't rule out any possibilities. Right. He he does mention that there that he believes there will be some trouble ahead, and he's not sure yeah. what form it will take. Love that Leo Johnson, a Leo Wyndham team up. Oof. That's the tag team match of the yeah. century. Spoilers: a Leo Wyndham GX card. Yeah, that is <laughs> unstoppable. <laughs> It'd be good for the the Twin Peaks fighting game. It would. Oh, I would play the hell. Do out some of that team game. ups. That sounds awesome. Down forward punch for the soap and a sock. What's, yeah, that's Leo's finisher. <laughs> and then Wyndham just stabs you below the sternum <laughs> and puts the chest piece in your mouth. We got to come up with finishers for every character. Yeah, it's the sternum oh, stab. Like, ah! It goes like that. He puts the chest piece in the mouth to push him to the floor. Yeah. Wyndham wins. Hank just chucks a domino at someone's head. <laughs> Spits it out of his mouth. Yeah, first. <laughs> and then throws it. <laughs> I'm going to make that when I learn how to use Unity. I want to play it. <laughs> I want to make it. That that might be my project, is making the Twin Peaks fighting game. So, uh, I mean, I guess we're, we're mostly done with Garland Briggs. Uh, he just mentions that he'll be in the shadows if anybody needs him. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to start staying there. <laughs> well, if, you need well, if me, anybody I'll, needs I'll be over in the shadows. <laughs> no, Andy comes in as Briggs is headed out to get Coop and Truman... He's got to show them something, and I've I, I've got beef again. I'm sorry. Let's hear it. But, yeah, let's hear it. So they bring him in. Andy brings Cooper and Truman into a room where Dr. Jacoby is standing behind the widow, whose name is Lana. We find out this scene, I think. So his whole thing is he's been with her for 24 hours and has no bumps or bruises, so obviously she's not cursed the way... Uh, Dougie Milford. You are cursed. He then goes on to say that she is unmatched in sexual prowess and most men can't handle her. Few have even had her. And they start talking about the heat getting hot. And then after they all agree that it's getting very hot in the room, Cooper goes up and says, let me be the first to congratulate you. On what? I'm lost. Because it's not the wedding. Because her husband's dead. I I didn't understand what she was being congratulated for, and I didn't know just what what the whole point of having Jacoby there to be like, she's not cursed. 
was for because it doesn't take a psychologist to figure out if somebody has a curse on them. They don't they don't test for I witchcraft. Mean, it does because he just did it. I guess I don't know. Sorry, it's my beef, and maybe it's maybe it's rotten beef, maybe and, it's stanky yeah. beef, but that's what I've got. Uh, next is the best though, because Jacoby's gonna lead Lana out of there. They're going bowling. They're going to try and go bowling, but as they are headed out, they are stopped. <laughs> <laughs> By what, Tyler? Oh, Mayor Milford is out there. <laughs> Got him held up at shotgun yes. point. <laughs> also, did y'all notice the sign behind? Yes. <laughs> there is a sign hanging up that says, Mom and Dad, I use drugs. <laughs> so great. Truman kind of puts his gun away. And just like, Dwayne, how about you and Lana talk this out? Yeah. I don't want to talk. I don't want to shoot. So he eventually does uh, decide that he will go into the room and talk with Lana. Yes. They let him go in there with just her and his shotgun. Yeah. They leave him with the gun. I thought for sure he was about to shoot her. I, as, as they step away from the door... It's like, what do we do now? Well, we wait. And there's a very long pause. And I kept expecting the shotgun noise. I kept hearing the noise and then the caption to say, body hits floor. (laughs) Body falls on floor. And uh, I'm pretty sure this is where they would have cut to commercial break. Because it kind of fades out and back in. They're just in the same spots. Arms crossed back to the door. And then they bust in. With guns drawn. And Mayor Milford's covered in lipstick. Yep, he's getting some smooching. Because he's just so much like Dougie. It's like he's come back from the day. So they head off together, and everybody decides it's time to start drinking. Oh, yeah. Because I would, too. What a roller coaster. (laughs) We're starting to get towards the back end of this episode. But we can't leave it without some strong lines from Pete Mortel. Yes. Our transition here is... Yeah, we got to talk about this transition. <laughs> this is one of the most unusual transitions in this show. Um, I think it is. I mean, obviously, the visual, <laughs> the visuals the visuals are not. Great. The visuals are like, fine. I need, I need that poster. You know, seeing totem poles and things, it's, <laughs> that's fine. But the music, like the pianos playing... It's great. It is great, but it is so just yeah. like, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know. This is, see, this is another another situation where it seems like this music would be playing in the room he's standing in. Yeah. Right. Um, like on a turntable or something like that. But again, like the big game. Right. I'm on board and I'm here nice. for the hot dogs. Yeah, but you need wieners for those. But yeah, so the whole point of this is for Catherine to come in, get Pete, and show him that Andrew Packard is alive. And it's just a lot of rehashing everything we know about is, Josie's yeah. employment and how Andrew's not dead and yep. how, what what the scheme was supposed to be. We just go over that so that Pete can learn it, but we, the viewer, are also subjected to the information once again. Jack Nance is reactions in the scene to finding out that he's still alive i thought we're oh yeah the the face acting is fantastic face acting yeah i mean yeah i mean that's we say all the time that he gets some of the best lines in the show but yeah his facial reactions are just a whole nother aspect of his character (laughs) that i enjoy so much um because he's just 
so good at you know the emotion that he can display on his face Mm -hmm. but and this is a perfect scene of yes we were hearing all this information we'd already heard but seeing him get fed this information for the first time was a joy seeing his face especially when he realizes that Josie actually may not be trustworthy yeah it's like his whole universe collapses again yeah I don't know if he could accept Andrew Packard is certain that Thomas Eckhart who is the big boss that was trying to have him killed that Josie worked for is coming to Twin Peaks because he'll be drawn to Josie like a rat to cheese. Here we have another <laughs> scene that could have ended the episode. Yes, this really should have been it for me. It's like they did that, was it last week or two weeks ago? Mm, we had three endings. That was last week. Yeah, yeah we're going to do it again. New new Great Northern employee, Randy Meyer. He's no Louie. Well, let's talk about what this scene actually has content-wise. Yes, so, yes. Randy Meyer. Yes. So we have a, a striking woman with a commanding presence <coughs> yeah. come up to the counter at the Great Northern to talk with Randy Myers and has reserved two suites under the name Shocker Eckhart. Dun, dun, dun. So she turns back to this man who is standing in front of the fireplace who has turned to look at her. He's in sunglasses. Turns back to look at the fireplace, <laughs> and then we get a shot of this guy's very stern face in sunglasses, looking at the fireplace with the fire burning in each lens. And he's yeah. the devil. It's admittedly it pretty reminds, badass. It reminds me of of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, yeah. It does. yeah. That one scene mm-hmm. when yep. they're talking about the devil. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So Thomas Eckert is played by David Warner. He's had a hell of a career. I know him from two specific things from my childhood. One is the scientist in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. Yes! Which was the same year as this show, so it had to be shot pretty close to each other. I I um, could not place where I knew him from, but that's exactly what I know him from. And he was also Mr. Lovejoy in uh, Titanic. He was like Billy Zane's... Uh, Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, his little butler buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's right, too. So, yeah. But he's been in a ton of stuff. I mean, if you go look at I his IMDb, he... it's just insane. He's oh, got yeah, he's, a he's ton of credits. Yeah, a ton of credits. He did credits. not look recognizable at all with those sunglasses on. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see where you wouldn't recognize him. He never him wears right Ray-Bans on the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. He's been, a, he's been in way more things. Those are just two standout things to me. He's awesome. Yeah, very, very cool shot. And uh, I, I think a very good introduction for this character. Yeah. Like, not a word said, just fire in his eyes, and it's not for very long, and it's great. Proposal. Sure. Y'all both recap this next scene in 20 seconds, and then we move on. I, I think I can do it. Go. All right, so I'm accepting the Tyler Mullins 20-second scene recap challenge because I'm guessing he just does not care about the content here. Uh, True. <laughs> so we're at the sheriff's station. Uh, we have uh, Doc and Lucy coming to get Andy. Uh, they need to talk about uh, something. <laughs> there's a <laughs> there's a fun exchange between uh, Coop and Truman about the chain of command. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I work for you now. If you say you drink coffee, I'll drink coffee. Uh, they find out that Jonathan's dead because Truman found out Jonathan's dead, and he wants Cooper to find out if he had it, uh, Josie had anything to do with it because he maybe he doesn't trust anymore. Uh, Doc delivered Dick. Uh, Nikki's origin <laughs> is that his mother was an immigrant who got. 
uh, assaulted in an alley, and she had him that way. Uh, at six years old, there was a car crash, and apparently at six years old, Nikki pulled his parents from the car with, with what, uh, some kind of crazy creature strength? Well, who knows? And uh, there is a ton of fly blood when Lucy kills a fly. And basically, they're just saying, hey, leave it alone. The kid's not a murderer, and y'all got to go. And they, and they go. They, they start like to cry. 45 seconds. It wasn't 45 <laughs> yeah, seconds. Was, I feel like that was a long time. I'm sweating. Listen, listen I have definitely like, I got beef. Okay. Pat, Pat's got beef. Dick Tremaine was born in Twin Peaks. He was delivered by Doc Hayward. Then why does he have a British accent? Because his parents were British. I think Dick Tremaine has been faking this accent. Here's some more beef I have is. Who cares whether or not Dick and Andy are suspicious of this kid? What are they going to do? Who cares? Why, why is there any need to pull them in and sit them down and say, look, no. Is this the scene where Cooper was reading a book about Tibet in the background? Yes. yes. Awesome. This is also the scene where the music outweighs what's happening <laughs> yeah that's true and it's the the harp the twin peaks theme on the harp that's right that's right um so to continue to it's move great. on quickly let's let's have a moment for cousin jonathan lee good he is now looking through the blinds of hell <laughs> <laughs> yes he is hell has a special set of blinds just for you buddy <laughs> And if hell has a window. What magazine is that? <laughs> Asian man killed. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> That's the headline is Asian man killed? Yeah. Two exclamation points. Why not just man? <laughs> yeah, why do we have to point out his orientation? What was the significance of Lucy killing that like tick fly? When she kills it, it goes off like a gusher. Yeah. Like a gusher candy. And just And she like is surprised by it. Everyone is. Everyone's shocked and appalled at the amount of blood. I I feel like nobody noticed it other than her. Yeah. Oh, I I guess by everybody I meant me, because I also reacted very viscerally to God, that was a ton of blood. It was. Just too much. Well, now that we've spent like ten minutes on this scene. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we really derailed there. It's true. No more twenty second chance. I just I just didn't want to blow over the the part about Cooper and Truman. I, I do want to pull the excerpt from that scene of uh Cooper and Truman's interaction. Just because it was just a really cool flip from the pilot or Cooper's talking to Truman is like, look, the bureau's in charge. I'm sorry if you don't like that. That's the way it is. Da da da. And now it's him looking at Truman and says, like, you know what? I work for you. You're the boss. You're calling the shots. Cooper, I need to ask you a favor. Harry, let's get one thing straight. I work for you now. You say drink coffee, I'll drink coffee. It was, it was the diamond in the rough of that whole, that whole scene. Oh. So once again, we're at the marshland. And again, James is trying to leave and he's trying to stop him. I don't know if any time has passed or if she just like walked out and came right back and he was still trying to leave. He's like, what, what, what are you doing? I don't know. But it is night now, so there's that. Well, no, because he had left. Remember, he was he did his little just you fell down by the... 
the post. So he just took he took a ride to the local post and then came back. I guess unless that was at this house, I don't know. Yeah, it could have been. He may have not. He may have not I made it very that, far. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was down in the garage, mm. the garage. But Eve claims to love him. Uh, she says that what's his face, Malcolm, isn't her brother, and that there's been an accident. This is also the first time Jeffrey's she's dead. ever told anybody she loves them. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doubting that one. I think she's t- said that to everybody. So that's two dead husbands and one not dead husband this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After all this, trying to get James not to leave and the secrecy, she just comes right out and says, So, sabotage Jeffrey's car. He's dead. Malcolm's not my brother. It was his idea. Uh, I love you. You set me up! <laughs> Yeah, James has a great scream here. He does. The fuzz roll up, and then she sends him away as fast as she can. Like, yeah. Go, go! And then Donna's, like, randomly outside. Yeah. I mean, I just assume she followed Evelyn. I don't know how else to explain why she was there. I feel like she probably could have figured out who that was for from the bartender. Based on those threads. Yeah, just, you know, she's like, hey, who's that lady over there? It's like, oh, she's in here all the time. I was getting guys to come back to oh, her you, house and fix oh, cars. Oh, you mean Evelyn? The local cougar. But that's the thing about things. You can fix them. <laughs> they run off into the shadows, probably ran into Major Briggs. Because <laughs> that's where he is. Um, and Leo. Yeah. And then we get... Leo. Leo. <laughs> Speaking of Leo. <laughs> Speaking of Leo. Yeah, Leo just kind of blankly wandering the woods. We've got... We got the whole works. This is classic. We got woods. We've got winds. We've got owls. That's a good owl. It's a strong owl. This is a great owl. Yeah, yeah probably Majestic. one of the best, probably one of the best owls of the series so far. Uh, we got cabins. The the curveball is the flute music. I thought the cabin, when he walked in, it was going to be... Um, Elves? Ed and Norma getting... Oh, that would have been something. On some steak. <laughs> uh, getting down on some V steaks. <laughs> it was not. I mean, yeah, that was the other cabin that was mentioned. Logical that yep. your mind would go there. Thanks. Leo, while active and up and about, still has a limited vocabulary. Uh, we're down to... Bar of soap, bad girl, goodbye wife, things of that nature. Uh, he enters this cabin as he's wandering the woods, and it's occupado by a man with a gun who, upon seeing him, says that he's a friend. Come on in. Never mind this pistol. Come on in. Yeah, no, we're, we're, okay. we're good friends. Yeah. I did, I did think this was Wyndham before anything was mentioned. The chessboard give it away? No, I didn't like. I just as soon as I saw the gun, yeah, like that looks like a that looks like a Wyndham Earl gun. Know. Yeah, that seems standard issue. Yeah, it, it does very look very much like Cooper's standard issue pistol. So he he stands up and invites Leo in, uh, has him sit down at a table, asks if he wants to wash his hands, <laughs> offers him some saltines and lemonade. Now, I'm surprised he doesn't offer him anything, but he does have him sit down. At a table with a chessboard set up mm-hmm, and introduces mm-hmm. himself as Wyndham Earl. There's three. As If you didn't get it from the chessboard and then you didn't get it from the fact that his name is Wyndham, <laughs> this is Wyndham Earl. Let's go ahead and solidify yes. this theory. It is I, Wyndham Earl. Yes. Um, so a lot actually does happen in this episode, and that's where we leave it. But in general, Patrick, what are your thoughts and feelings about this week's episode, Double Play? It's 
It's um better than I than better than my memory thought it was, as we mentioned at the beginning. You're introduced to these two major players, or we we assume are major players because of the frequent name drops that have been given to Wyndham Earl and Thomas Eckert. Um, so again, yes, we're getting these extra cliffhangers. So it's just sort of continuing that way from the previous week. There is still just things that aren't super interesting to me. The uh, the Evelyn stuff, which, I mean, gosh, that That's surely right. that has to end soon, right? And then the, the little Nikki um, storyline, which That's I hope over. this is the last of, of that. Yeah. No Nadine this week. Yeah, a couple of mentions. No Dean. Good mentions. But we did get but we did get Jacoby back. Um so that's nice. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot to like. I would say for me, I I do really really like the episode. Uh the burnout is real as far as the information dump on the plot lines that I'm less invested in. I think they're supposed to feel like they're bigger than they are. The Andy and Dick arc right now for me is very much to fill time. Yes. And I feel similarly about the Evelyn Marsh plot. If if there was a bigger plan for it, it wasn't realized. And I feel like a lot of stuff just kind of got chopped or thrown in. It's it's almost like the writers themselves kind of threw in the towel on that story. And I'm I'm not saying that this isn't a very well-written series still. Like Patrick was saying, I remembered this being much less interesting than it is at this point in the series. Knowing what I know, it's very cool to catch the little details and watch these things play out in such a way that it's going to matter more, hopefully for you, Tyler, as we're, we're doing these deep dives and discussions and we're kind of touching all the walls and, you know, getting all the information we're supposed to get. I'm hoping that your initial payoff in the future is going to be much bigger than it was for people that were seeing this for the first time and, you know, either syndication or on their first time watching through. It's easy to zone out on a lot of this. Yeah. But for, a format like this where the information is required to make sure that we touch on everything. I think we're going to catch the bits that were supposed to be. I think we're seeing it the way it was meant to be seen. Right. Like it, it needs Ish. to kind of be analyzed and poured over. Yeah. And so like I said, like knowing what I know that it's going to be very cool and a, and a good payoff. I hope going forward for you. Uh, Thank you. It's a strong episode with some dips. And that, I guess yes. that's the most general I can say. Tyler, what are your thoughts? I liked it. I am done with the Andy Dick. Not that. Not the Dick and Andy. The Ben Horn stuff, I don't care about. Really. Um, the Audrey, Billy stuff. <laughs> there's a lot. There's too many threads. But the good ones are enough to carry the really poor ones that I don't care mm -hmm. about. But it was a good episode. Yeah. A lot of good stuff happened, and uh, some of that good stuff was in the very dialogue contained therein. And I think each of us was probably able to find a moment where we could pull a damn fine line of the night. I'd like to go first. Yeah, mm -hmm. go for it. Uh, my line comes from Major Briggs, who uh, sends a warning um, that there's much trouble ahead to Cooper and Truman. I will return. Until that time, I will be in the shadows if you need me. So much like uh, 
what Cooper says to Truman right after this, I will say to you guys, can you uh, you beat that? <laughs> I'm going to give it my best. So my line is from Big Ed Hurley. And this is at the double R as he's talking to Norma about them finally being able to be together. He sets up a whole plan for them to get a cabin, get some steaks, get some wine. Norma says people will find out. Let up. Let up. <laughs> Let up. So good. <laughs> it is. It is very good. I missed a good big ad line. Might as well while we're here, just because it plays into that, my runner-up line, uh, which Tyler prepared for me, was... Uh, also from Big Ed earlier in the scene, and it just it made me laugh so much. I, I just wanted to hear it again. Doc, I wake up every morning feeling like I've been hit by a timber truck. <laughs> She's active, all right. Yeah. Tyler, what's your line, buddy? Ridiculous. My line needs no introduction. That's a great pick. I think Tyler beat that. <laughs> I think he did. I think he might have. Very, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that was our damn fine lines of the night. Damn fine. Nice. Uh, gentlemen, do we have any further ado? No, sir. Other than, I do want to make a quick mention, because this seems appropriate. Uh, during today's Twin Peaks pilot rewatch, um, Kyle McLaughlin was live tweeting during the pilot rewatch with everybody. And I was so excited because he made a comment, which I thought was kind of unexpected during the scene that we all know and love, uh, James Hurley in the pilot in the classroom when he's got his pencil in his hand, you know, the scene, don't you guys? No, I've never heard of it. Will you explain it to me in extreme detail? I'd rather not. But uh, <laughs> someone ha- who was commenting on Twitter said, uh, I assure you, or I-, I assure all of you that yes, at the time, James was very cool, which Kyle McLaughlin responded, best forehead in the business. And I feel like that gives us such justification for this segment. This is Talking Foreheads. I can't. I just can't. James! Best forehead in the business. <laughs> you heard it from Kyle himself. It's undisputed. I think we'll uh I think we'll just go in the very same order that we did our lines in. Patrick, if you want to go ahead and kick it off. It's a good episode. I don't know that I love it more than last week's, um, but it's pretty darn close. I'm gonna give this one three and a half foreheads. Just three and a half. I think I'm I think I'm in the same boat. I got I got three point five over here. Just three and a half. And I'm not even going to worry about having my thunder stolen. For me, it's also a three and a half. 
Oh, wow. Look at us with that straight line on the top. Straight across the top. All right. Great. Great. Talking Well, on this day, the 30th anniversary of Twin Peaks, Rex Manning Day, I hope that we've, yep. <laughs> I hope that we've all had a lot of fun here. I know I have a uh, strong episode. Uh, we're going to be doing our best to keep this regular again. The coronavirus is still a thing. It's still causing some crazy things to happen in our schedules. We will we'll try to keep it current. We'll try to throw some bonus stuff in where we can to fill in any, any slack gaps. Yeah, absolutely, and we hope that you're all doing well. And as always, we appreciate you listening to us. Yeah. Thank you. I could really use a Twin Peaks board game right now. <laughs> Even though we can't all play it together? I'll play it by myself. That's true. Yeah, the uh, the 30th anniversary was this week. It's it's today. It's the day of us recording this episode. But um, I tried to stay pretty active on our, on our Twitter account, and it was actually a lot of fun. Seeing everyone's posts, there was just so much. I don't know. I feel like... I know that a lot of shows have such dedicated fan bases, but it's so great to see this one, who's always regularly active, don't get me wrong, but it's nice to see them all you know, come together on something like this, and especially with the pilot rewatch, everyone was just tweeting throughout every single scene, you know. and I tried to chime in here and there. I wasn't actually able to watch the pilot along with everyone. I did follow along on Twitter when I could. I was on dad duty, so I wasn't actually able to sit down and have some popcorn and watch the show. But I tried to chime in here and there. I, I, I you know, I would post, uh, I posted the Harriet Hayward gif when that scene was coming up and I posted the, uh, you know, Mike yelling Donna. So I was trying, I was trying to stay active um, when I could, but it was just really great just to see the, the community of Twin Peaks fans, um, new and old coming together for this. I think it just shows um, what an impact this show has had. I mean, I even saw someone say, you know, they watched the pilot air, you know, back in 1990, and they would have never thought that they'd be rewatching it with with Kyle McLaughlin and uh, Made Chinamic. You know, even they were all they were all watching it digitally together. And what a time to even do this, you know, when everyone's quarantined. Yeah, it's cool to see that even in a time where things are uncertain and you have to find workarounds, they can be found, and people still do the things that they're dedicated to. You know, you find a way. And we'll we'll try to do our best to find a way to keep this rolling and stay current and keep everybody invested. Uh, it it would be a real shame yeah. to drop the ball on the momentum for something that uh, people have clearly expressed to us personally, which is crazy. That is keeping yeah. them sane in this time. But we're certainly going to try to keep keep it going. We're having fun, and as long as we're having fun, we're going to keep keep on keeping on. Yeah. If you want to share with us anything that maybe we missed or wish that we'd covered, uh, feel free to hit us up at uh, talkingbackwardspod at gmail.com. If you want to let us know what your quarantine experience has been like with the series, let us know that too. Uh, You can get a look at us at Talking Backwards Pod on Instagram. Pat? You can find us on Twitter at Talking Backward. Tyler? Anchor.fm slash Talking Backwards. We have that. Thank you guys so much. We'll hopefully see you next week for the next episode. Also, a big shout out to the Egg Devilers' first follower, Lauren P.T. Rice. Thank you. Thank you. In the meantime, stay safe. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. Wash Wash your your hands. hands. I got beef.
I got beef. I got beef. I got beef. I have the same beef. Beef. So yeah, that's my beef. 